by Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down conversion. You got the game on? Yep. On the move, down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He, he won't say the score. Laid up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come out on, of the gun. who's winning? Rifles towards the right corner, complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah, say the damn score. You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast, part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. Welcome to episode 92 of the Say the Damn Score podcast. You just heard the big voice guy say that I'm Logan Anderson, a freelance sportscaster in the Twin Cities metro area. As always, this podcast is dedicated to sportscasting and sharing stories and ways to improve in this business. You can follow the show on Twitter by following me at Radio underscore Logan. Also, the show now has an Instagram account. So if you just follow Say the Damn Score on Instagram, you can follow us that way as well. We always appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you want to leave one, I would sure appreciate it. They help the show grow, and they just make me feel good if they're good reviews. If you're going to leave a nasty one, Pick another podcast. <laughs> Just kidding, but seriously. Anyway, this has been an an unusual day, and it's uh, not good, not bad, mostly just weird. It all started about a week ago when we looked under the bed looking for our cat and realized that our box spring was broken, and there were pieces of the middle board that supports everything and keeps people from sloping down towards the middle, and that was in several different pieces. How? I'm not entirely sure, but it was. And I drive a 2008 Toyota Camry. My wife has a Subaru Forester, neither of which are big enough to fit an unbending queen-size box spring. So I've been trying to figure out how to get a truck, and it turned out that our station cluster in Rochester, Minnesota, has a station truck. And our manager comes up several times a week. He handles both stations in Faribault and Rochester, which are about an hour and 15 minutes apart. And he was going to bring up a truck and take our station car back so I could take the truck overnight, pick up my box spring, bring the station vehicle back, and life would be good. Well, instead of bringing the truck... The station in Rochester needed it for some reason, so he brought a van that looked like it had enough room in the back to fit it. More on that later. But anyway, I ended up calling a baseball game today, and I had, not an appointment, but I had called the owner of the furniture store that I bought my mattress in and said I was going to be stopping in on the way back. Game went a little bit long. I was going to be about 10 minutes late after the store was scheduled to close. The owner couldn't wait, but he said he would leave it out back for me to just pick up and drop off the old box spring in the morning. I got there, and the box spring would not fit through the opening in the van. There was plenty of room in the van if I could have gotten it in, but I couldn't get it in. (laughs) And... The store owner was gone, so I couldn't give it back, and there's rain in the forecast, so I really couldn't just leave it outside. So I had to figure out what the heck I was going to do with this box spring 
and I ended up walking about a quarter mile to another advertiser in that town. It was a liquor store, and I just asked the owner, hey, can I leave my box spring in your back room until tomorrow morning when I can get everything taken care of and either get the box spring back to my house or back to the mattress store while I figure out how to get everything in line. So it it was weird. Um, I definitely bought some beer from that liquor store because going through all of that, I deserve it (laughs) for lack of any better reason. And I do want to thank a guy who was just a good Samaritan customer while I was there who walked with me back to the mattress store and helped me carry the box spring probably a quarter mile And it's not heavy, it's unbending, and it would have been really awkward to carry by myself. But with two people, it was really easy. It's nice and light. We carried it back. It's sitting there right now as I record this in the back room of a liquor store in Northfield, Minnesota. Anyway, that doesn't really have anything to do with sportscasting, but that's (laughs) the story that I'm leading into this podcast with because it has been a day, and it all started off because a baseball game that got rescheduled because of uh, the crazy Minnesota weather. Well, it uh, it made me a little bit late and put me in that whole situation. And I'm going to have to go to bed tonight and my box spring is still not replaced. So anyway, we are going Hollywood for this episode right now. We are joined by uh, the star of Godfather 3 and Ocean's 11, Andy Garcia. I know you're not really into sports casting, but if you can get a guest like this, you just do it. How's it going? Listen, Logan, I wish I was the Andy Garcia in movies and lights in Hollywood, but it's just little Andy Garcia from NIU and Westwood One. My apologies. I wish I made that money, but I've gone away from movies to do play-by-play and affiliate sales. I mean, it, it, it's hard times, man. It's hard times right now. Well, I guess I'll just have to scrap all of my notes. <laughs> yes. You're going to have to it, start over, which is not good. It's the weakest of the movies anyway, so now I don't yes. have to now I don't have to hurt your feelings. So <laughs> That's all right. So, what I like to seriously talk about, I do this as an icebreaker on just about every show is what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to go into sports casting? I was very young, Logan. I remember as a little kid, as far as I could go back, recording cassette tapes of me doing play-by-play or doing sports updates or doing the weather. Um, It goes way far back. And um, I can remember just pretending to be on my cassette tapes and doing play-by-play. Age three, four, five, and my grandmother still has the cassettes, and we listened to them probably about a year ago. And uh, I haven't gotten much better. But – uh, you know, you, you take with what you can. And um, yeah, from a very young age, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, you never know how the path's going to be. You never know what life turns and what's going to happen, the journey. But um, I'm excited that I'm able to still do sports broadcasting. I'm glad that I've had a just a small part of it. And uh, man, I'm a, a dream has come true even to this point of being able to do this. Yeah, your dream come true was just to come on the Say the Damn Score podcast, right? Listen, listen, I know the names that have been on this podcast, and uh, it's an honor, man. You get the biggest guys. You get the biggest names, the biggest women in sports broadcasting. I mean, you, you're the man. You know everybody, man. You know everybody. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I find emails for everybody. But, <laughs> that, uh, that helps too, right? Yeah. 
And then if you just, eventually, if you just keep sending them, they get tired of you. I like to compare it to, uh, to Andy <laughs> Dufresne and Shawshank Redemption sending letters to get his library books. And then uh, eventually they just got tired of them. So they, they sent him some used books. Listen, it's not what you know. It's who you know. I tell everybody that. You know that. When's the last time you actually listened to one of those cassette tapes? Because I, I don't know if you saw it. We're doing this over Skype, so this is, we can see each other, the listeners cannot, but I just held up a bag of old cassette tapes that I actually can't play because I don't own (laughs) a cassette player anymore, (laughs) and I I, I hold on to them just in case I find one at a garage sale or something, but when's the last time you listened to those old tapes? So I have an aunt who's a little bit older than me who still loves 80s music, okay, and in order to listen to 80s music, you have to have a CD player or a cassette player. And she has a cassette player. So it wasn't this winter that's passed, this Christmas that passed. It was the Christmas before. And they thought it'd be a joke to say, hey, let's turn on some Christmas music. Let's uh, let's get in the – I've got some old Christmas music. It wasn't Christmas music, Logan. They brought on cassettes of me when I was young. <laughs> so it was about a year and a half ago. So – yeah, to just hear yourself, and again, the squeaky old little voice who thinks he's all big and bad, but to hear that and imagine what you thought of when you were that age to where I am now, which I'm 42, it was pretty funny, and everybody got a kick out of it. And yeah, you, you're a little embarrassed about it, but you also are very excited that you're still able to enjoy something that you've loved since you were just a little kid. So yeah, it wasn't that long ago, and we had a, it was a fun time going back and just listening to yourself talk about Cubs baseball or weather or something. It was pretty funny. It was fun. And you're a a Chicago area native, right? So I was born in Waukegan and I were, I lived around the Chicago area until I was seven. My dad moved us to Orlando, Florida. So at the age of seven, I was in Florida and from seven through high school, uh, that's when I was in Orlando, but I have family up here in Chicago. So every summer and winter, I'd come up for a week in the winter in a, in a week or a month in the summer, and I'd be up here with my my relatives. So I this is you know I knew I was always a Chicago sports fan, a Bulls fan, Cubs fan, Blackhawks. Um, so I knew I wanted to get back up here. So I went to the University of Central Florida. That's the blank I was trying to fill was how you ended up at Central Florida from Chicago. Yeah. yeah so well, even my first so when I graduated high school, I moved up here to Chicago for one year, and I went to a community college. Didn't work out. Dad said, you had enough of that. You're coming back home. He drove me back home and I went to a community college for one year and went to UCF and I graduated from UCF and I interned at a sports radio station, WQTM, uh, 740 the team was what it was back there, iHeartRadio. And I started in promotions, Logan. I was folding t-shirts in school. This is as a senior. I was folding t-shirts. I was going out with the marketing. I was doing nothing with the production side. And then I was kind of working my way over and you know, you meet some people, you get some contacts. And then I was interning on a night show. Uh, and then I was able to board up that show, move up. And I was kind of co-hosting with those other two hosts. And then I, I met someone and we, we were going to get married and I knew I wanted to get back to Chicago. And she's like, I'm fine. Let's do that. So I got married in 2003. We moved up to Chicago. I did not have a job. Uh, I was working with my aunt in a wood shop. Um, my wife, Meredith, had the job. And of course now, uh, you know, a lot of radio people know they're the breadwinners, right? We know that. So, 
you know, so she was helping me and I was getting, trying to do interviews and I interviewed at ESPN 1000 here in Chicago. And I also in, interviewed at 670 of the score. A full year went by. Well, I, I, when I got here in Chicago, I met a guy named Drew Hayes. Drew Hayes was the program director here in the score in Chicago. He's now out in L.A. doing big things in L.A., Drew Hayes. I owe a lot to him. I went into his office. I said, hey, you don't know me, Drew. I know there may not be anything open. This is back in 2002. And he goes, I go, there's, he goes, Andy, I got nothing for you. I love you, but there's nothing for you. A year goes by, Logan. A year goes by, and he says there's an opening to be a producer, morning show, Murph and Fred here at 670 The Score in Chicago, you want it. I said, I'm in. And I got that job. I was a morning show producer for Murph and Fred for a couple of years. And then there was a program change. And Mitch Rosen, who's still the program director in The Score, um, he's been there since 05. He said, hey, let's switch some things up. I want you to be my sports director. So I was his assistant. And um, I was there with the score till 2008. And then I was, uh, there was an opportunity here at Westwood One to help with the affiliate sales side. So I got that's kind of how I got in with Westwood One. And then I got some ties in with NIU when I was there at the score. So that's kind of my my how I got to my sports broadcasting side with you Northern know, Illinois University. Let's back well. that up just a little bit. Going from yeah. a producer to sports director in less than uh, five years, if I counted it right, that's it, yeah. pretty quick progression. Uh, what were the steps and what was that like going through that process? It was a personality. You had to deal with a lot of personalities, Logan. When you're in talk radio, every, you know, sports radio has got some huge personalities. So you've got to just kind of manage that. And I also have very good manager skills. I am very, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, so I, I can keep things organized. And, you know, I had to deal with part timers. I was a part, you know, I was a full time producer, but I had so many friends that were working with us and interns. That when I had the chance to move over to the, you could call it management side, but I'm a sports director helping with the the part-time schedule, making sure that the teams that we had on the score at that point, which were the White Sox, were, were taken care of, and NIU, who was on the score at that time. And I think Mitch saw that I could take the job. I could be a leader. Um, people liked me. People respected what I could do. And I think um, I saw that the writing was on the wall. I, didn't, I was a producer, and I, I thought I could be a talk show host. And I did a little bit of part-time at the score, just a little. And I said, you know what? I've gone as far as I wanted to on the talk show side. Let's go to the management side and just see how that works. And um, it, was a good, it was a good spot to be there because I had done what I could on the producing side. I wasn't going to be the next talk show host at the score. I was able to do sports directing, meet a lot of people, Logan. We talk about all the time communication and, and networking. And I was able to do that. And that's where I've gotten a lot of contacts and have helped me to this day. You probably didn't want to wait 10 years, but if I'm if I'm correct, they're now the flagship for the Bulls. Uh, was that uh, when you saw that news, what went through your head? Crazy, but I would tell you even crazier. I would never believe you if you told me that the Chicago Cubs would be on 670 to the score. <laughs> and they've been on the score a couple of years now. And, you know, Cubs being on WGM for all those years, I just never thought they'd leave. So for them to be on 670 to the score – in Chicago, that was more crazy than the Bulls. And yes, the Bulls and and the Cubs are on six seven to score now. Yeah, it's just crazy to think that the Bulls are on a different channel, but also the Cubs uh, to be on six seventy and not on seven twenty here in Chicago. That's it was crazy. It took a lot of people uh, a little bit of time to find it on the time on the dial. I'm sure in their car, like where's the Cubs game? You know, fifty years on the WGN or whatever. And uh, yeah, to have both the Bulls and the Cubs on six seven to score now. It, it just tells you how good the, the score is and, and, and how they're doing. So what was the connection that got you in the door with Westwood One? So Mitch Rosen, the program director at the score, knew Dennis Green 
at Westwood One. Dennis Green was at the time um, one of the big leaders of the affiliate sales in uh, Westwood One. They interned together here in Chicago. And Dennis was doing his thing with Westwood One and Mitch was doing his hair. And there was an opportunity that somebody was leaving the affiliate sales team. And Dennis said to Mitch, hey, do you know anybody that might be interested in this job? And I had been with Mitch for a couple of years and he knew I was kind of tapped out. I wasn't going to be a host. You know, Mitch wasn't going anywhere. So I wasn't going to move up being a program director. And Mitch goes, I got a guy. He'd be perfect for you. So I got introduced to Dennis Green. They flew me out to New York and I took the job that day. It doubled my salary. It was a great opportunity. I was going to be able to go to the Final Four and the Super Bowl on the affiliate side, um, not knowing what would happen now with the producing, which we'll get into. But um, it was a great opportunity to just be able to move up in life, make more money, and still be able to do sports. And at the time, I was still doing some play-by-play, so I knew I'd still be able to do that as well. So that's how I got to to Westwood One, through the connection of Dennis Green and Mitch Rosen, two guys who've been you know, huge parts of how I've gotten this far. So my career experience, I've always had to do sales as part of part of the job to be able to do play-by-play. And I know that it's, I don't want to say it's rocket science, but it's not necessarily the easiest skill to learn to, to do well and to learn to, to just handle the constant rejection and, and some of the unique challenges that that provides. How long did it take you to feel comfortable on that part of the job? It takes a while, Logan, because I'll tell you, I couldn't do, it's affiliate sales. I don't have to ask for money. And I think that's what made it easier for me. I'm not going out there and I know it's not the person's money. I know it's a client's money. I know it's a, it's a company's money, but I would never feel that comfortable doing that. I was easy enough, Logan, where I have to go and call PDs around the country to put our NFL NCAA basketball games on. So it's not like I'm selling mud racing. I'm putting the best product out there, NFL games, Super Bowl games, college, you know, college football, NCAA tournament, the Final Four. So I've got things that people want, which makes it a lot easier. Also what helped me is Westwood One has such good contacts with affiliates that a lot of the affiliates that I had when I started Logan are still affiliates today, and I've been with Westwood One now 11 years. So that helps. You've got, you know, contacts, you've got relationships that you can go, hey, can you pick up this game? Hey, can you pick up, you know, the Kentucky Derby? Can you pick up this college football game? So I'm not dealing with money. I think that's what helps me. I think it's tough for me to go out there and say, hey, give me your $10,000 for this spot or give me $10,000 for this or, you know, do something with our company. I think it's easier for me because I could just go out there and say, hey, Logan, you know, you've got some opportunity here. Do you mind? Putting, picking up the NFL playoffs. Can you do the Super Bowl on your station? That's kind of what I deal with. So I think that's what helps me. My, I'm dealing with games and not money. With that in mind, I imagine that when you signed up for Westwood One as a guy who eventually wanted to you know, focus on the on-air side, the production, the play-by-play, that you viewed that as a foot in the door to get other opportunities. And I know some of those have, have come around for you. Uh, what was your thought process at that time, and how has it turned out? Yeah, I, I, that's a perfect opportunity. When you hear Westwood One, you know it's at national. You know it's the best of the best. You know it's huge games. And I did see it as an opportunity to get out there and put my name out there. And I made sure the first month I got there, when I went to New York to meet everybody, that I met Howard Denneroff. 
the executive vice president of, of sports and and the guy who's behind uh, the curtain for Westwood One and does such a great job of the NFL and college football and college basketball. I went in his office. It was about nine o'clock at night because if anybody knows Howie Denneroff, he never <laughs> sleeps. You know, he's always working. And Logan, you saw that. Well, this I, get, year. I get the when I reach out to him with a text or an email, I always get a good chuckle at what time the response comes because yeah. I'm never awake for them. Yeah, so he was in his office one night, and I was just talking broadcasting. We were just talking about broadcasters and what we like and what he sees. And this is a guy who gets thousands of CDs or MP3s a year try and have people come on and get games. And he talks to me about what he likes and and who he's friends with. And he's a huge restaurant guy. You know that too. He knows every restaurant in every city. It's just a guy who knows everybody. He's, he's got plenty of contacts. He's a great guy to learn from. And I knew if I could get in with him and I could show him what I could do for him, because I'm going to do my affiliate sales stuff. That's the number one priority. But an opportunity at this point to do the production side and meet guys like Kevin Kugler and Jason Horowitz, who you had on this podcast, and 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 others. Um, that's what was key: getting in front of him and showing him, "Hey, you know, I'm going to do this affiliate sales side, but I can also help you at events, uh, at the biggest events, and I, you can count on me. Whatever you need, doing on the production side, that's helped out. And then being around other broadcasters, the Kevin Harlins in the booth, and and the Kevin Kuglers, and um, you know the you know, Everybody we've got, you learn something from. And the, the learn from the best, Logan, even if it's just me being able to spot for somebody like Scott Graham at the NFL Hall of Fame game or anything like that, you can't you can't put a price on that and how much how important that is. What would you say the biggest lessons that you did learn from some of the guys like Kevin Kugler and Kevin Harlan? What have those been? They're so descriptive, man. I mean, they're just they don't add words that you don't have to put in there. They just have the right descriptive words that get to the point. I think sometimes broadcasters try to be too long. And I think what Harlan is good at is he's so quick and he's sharp and he makes it say something in the first four to five words. And he doesn't have to go long in what he's saying. You know what is happening right away. And I think that helps. And he's such a good description, you know, Aaron Rodgers is touching his white towel with his right arm. You know, you know, you know how Harlan is. And Kevin Kugler's another guy I learned from because he's so descriptive, but he's descriptive in just so many words. You're not long-winded. And I think the less words is better sometimes in play-by-play. You get to the point. I think I've learned to slow down. I think I've learned a little bit about pitching, how high, how not, you know, try to keep your pitch equal. And I know it's tough. And you know, I'm still learning that, but I think that's what you learn from guys like that. They just, they, 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 they don't think about what they're saying. They just know what they're going to say, and they know in short terms how to get it out. So if you're listening to a game, it's almost like you're being there. We had, I think, connected on Twitter a couple times before the Final yeah. Four, but we met in person for the first time and got connected uh, for purposes of this podcast at the Final Four. And I just remember the moment, because I really didn't have to do much once the game started in my role. So I got to just sit up there and watch the games and listen to Kevin's call. And the moment, it was the Michigan State game where Matt Mooney hit that dagger three-pointer and ran down the floor with his arm spread. And Kevin, just out of nowhere, pulled the are-you-not-entertained line from Gladiator. <laughs> and that's and, just and what Kevin, makes yeah, it great. You it, just... He couldn't have possibly prepared that. It just had to come, and it was so seamless and fluid. It was 
it, it was really impressive as from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, it's it, it happens out of the blue. I think sometimes that's another good one too, Logan. About not this, you know. Sure, you're gonna want to have something if you know something might happen that you're maybe maybe it's a you know a shocker or it's an upset. Sure, you're gonna want to have something in your mind about what you want to say. But if you don't let that come out fresh, it's gonna sound really bad. And then, like you said, with the are you entertained? That was unbelievable came out of the blue it's exactly what kevin was thinking about and to be honest it was almost what we were thinking about he was kind of talking for us and um it was like it almost was like you were sitting here there next to him courtside when he said it because it was pretty funny that um that's another thing i like too is like as a broadcaster what i do i try to connect on person one-to-one meaning i'm trying to pretend that i'm talking to one person and i think that's what i've been told about you like you know, you're not don't pretend that there's thousands of people listening or hundreds. Pretend there's one guy and you're trying to impress him and make sure he knows what's going on. And I think that helps me too. like don't let the you know, whatever game you do, if it's an, a women's basketball game or if it's an NFL game, I think people learn that don't don't worry about what who's listening. Just try to describe it as best as you can. If there's one person listening, then that's all you need. And I've kind of taken that from some of the guys, too. What of your other roles for Westwood one? at least at the final four as you were kind of the the guest wrangler for Jim Gray if i was interpreting what you were doing from high above correctly where when there was a pandemonium and chaos on the floor you're running down and tracking down guests how do you do that what are the keys to functioning in the the chaos of a of floor storming yeah, I mean, that's what I've been able to do for the last, I believe it's 10 years now, is I've been able to work with Jim Gray. And Jim Gray is the sideline reporter for us for the Super Bowl, and he also does the NCAA Final Four. And I've been able to work with Jim for 10 years now. And, uh, you know, Jim's an interesting guy, right? I mean, you heard different stories about Jim, but he's always been good to me. And I had to prove myself to him, too, just like I had to prove to Howie. Like, I remember the first one I did with him was the Final Four in Detroit. So what was that, 2008, 2009 in Ford Field? And I had to prove myself. I mean, he didn't know me eh? and I knew him, but he made me work hard. He made me, you know, what my job is during the games is we're trying to find, I'll, I'll start with the final four. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a guest per half and we try to get one per each team. So, you know, Auburn, Michigan State, I'm just making up name. So we wanted to get a guest from Auburn in the first half and Michigan State, whatever teams they were, it doesn't matter. So my job is to try to, you know, kind of think of names you want. And then I have to go either try to find a contact for them or see where they're sitting. Um, and again, Jim helps me as well. Jim's got so many contacts, you know, he's going to help us, but I have to find them. So my job is to keep an eye and see who's there at the games, um, uh, and see if they'll come on with us. Um, if there's any injury. So I, uh, I also have to go to the SID meetings, which are the, the guys, the people behind the teams that help with the information, you know, where they're from, some little stories that we use on the air. So I talk to the SIDs as well. And, um, we, if there's any injuries, I go make sure, Hey, what's going on with this guy? What's going on with that? But after the games, um, my job is we're supposed to get guests and I'm supposed to kind of help Jim corral guests. And, and the, the, the crazier ones is the, the Monday night, the championship Mondays, because as you see, and everybody's seen it, everybody's running around the court. Everybody's trying to find family. Everybody's trying to hug each other. And I'm trying to find guests and I'm trying to find two or three guys that will come on with us who had big games of the big name guys on the team. And I got to run around there like a chicken with his head cut off. I got to go try to find those guys. And normally I know them enough. The problem that happens, Logan, is when they get those championship T-shirts 
and sometimes the numbers aren't on there anymore. So you're kind of trying to find the face and all that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's, it's scrambling. It's the same at the Super Bowl when Jim and I are down there. You know, it's a little tougher because then that's just a mosh pit. But you try to get in there. You know, people know who Jim is. So we can, you know, we get Tom Brady, who I've had the chance to be maybe five feet from after losing a Super Bowl in the locker room, try to interview him. And that's something crazy when you uh, get the chance to be in a locker room with Tom Brady. It's just you, Jim, Jim Gray, and it's the Patriots just lost the Super Bowl, and you're next to Tom Brady waiting to interview him to get him on and, and tape it. Uh, it's pretty crazy, man, but it's fun, and that's just some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I get to do. One of your jobs for Northern Illinois is doing sideline reporting for the football team. What have you learned from working with Jim Gray, who, as you mentioned, an, a unique individual, but he's certainly, I mean, I remember his name when I was like 10. He's been at it forever. He's a pro. What have you learned from him that you apply to your own job? Description of questions. Um, he doesn't ask the, how do you feel? He describes it better. He, ans- he asks the question so somebody gives an answer. Sometimes sideline reporting can be just too broad. You have to ask a question that you know you're going to get an answer from. And you also want to ask questions, Logan, that you know what the answer is. I think that's two things that Jim is very good at. He asks questions that you know what type of answer you're going to get back. So you're not shocked and surprised, but you're also just not asking a broad question that, you know, how do you feel right now? Oh, I feel great. He doesn't ask those types of questions. And I've tried to add that to my sideline reporting with NIU football. And luckily for us, Logan, we've had some pretty successful years with NIU and the MAC, and um, just having a MAC championship happen at Ford Field this past December, coming back from two touchdowns down in the fourth quarter. So to have that opportunity and to be able to see it and live it in a Final Four or a Super Bowl and to be able to take it back here in Chicago and work with NIU and, and add it to my resume, my repertoire of how to ask questions and how to get the most out of your guest you know you have to ask the right questions just like you are Logan you're a professional you know what I mean you you know the the questions to ask and that's what I try to do um, learning from Westwood One and use it for my own my own broadcast do you do you feel bad for probably relishing in like my most painful sports moment of the last year when Northern Illinois beat Nebraska you know we're back there this year we come back there Oh, I'm, and I'm I know, ready. I know Scott Frost is not going to be happy. I know everybody is waiting for us in that date, but no, that was a fun time to get down there. That was my first time uh, down in Lincoln. Well, it's my second time. I, I was able to produce a game for Westwood One back when a college game, Nebraska game. But to be able to be on the field and broadcast and win a MAC team going to the Big Ten country and get a win like that, that was a lot of fun. And uh, to see the celebration afterwards, and that's what part of being a sideline. You know what? That's that's what also got me in the sports broadcasting, Logan, because I was a good athlete. I played tennis in high school. I was pretty good. You know, I was varsity for four years, but I knew that wasn't going to take me anywhere. And I was a good shooter of the basketball, but I couldn't play a lick of defense. So I knew I was in trouble. But I always liked being around teams. I always loved being on team buses. I always liked just being around team planes and traveling and being in hotels. So the opportunity that radio has given me and TV – to be able to travel and be with teams, I love it. And I think that's the opportunity I've had with NIU to get wins, like you said, at Nebraska and 
we went to BYU last year. We got to win a BYU out in Salt Lake and in Utah. And it, that's what's fun about being with a with a with a local team. And you know that too, Logan, as you do this stuff. It's like you're a part of the team. You're a part of them. You're a voice of the team. And I think it's pretty cool. I mean, to be out there and and to be able to celebrate and to be able to part be part of the broadcast of that, man, that just just you can't beat that, man, for me. Delving deeper into kind of what you do at Northern Illinois. You know, being the sideline announcer is, of course, a great job, but you are working underneath, I believe, for 40 years, Bill Baker has been the voice of NIU, and I'm sure that in the back of your mind, you hope you're the heir apparent, and at the same time, you know what, if someone's there, they get the the right to do whatever they want on their own terms if they've been there for 40 years. Uh, How do you balance that desire and maybe the friendship you have with Bill versus the the potential frustration of wanting that D1 job and wanting that break? Yeah, no, it's a great question, and, and you're right. Bill Baker is going into his 40th year at NIU this year in, uh, in football, and even our color guy, Logan, uh, Mark Lindo, is going into his, like, his 34th. I think it's like the fifth or sixth longest. I could be wrong than that of how long these two guys have been. For Bill, he's there. He's a Hall of Famer at NIU. He's part of the Hall of Fame. I learn from what he does. I learn a lot of things from what Bill does. And sure, would there be an opportunity down the line whenever Bill doesn't want to do it or whatever? You know, I'll be able to have an opportunity to do that. I would love to be able to do that. But to be able to work with Bill and Mark has been outstanding. Again, us three travel and, and, and hang out and we talk sports and we talk broadcasting. And then you, if you don't learn from a guy who's been doing it for more than 40 years, who's been at the same school, and you're just not learning. And I think that's what I'm trying to do now is just continue to learn against with Bill. I'm a huge part of the broadcast. They come down to me. It's a three-man crew. Um, I feel just as part of the crew as I'm sure Bill and Mark do, and I think that's what helps. And I try to learn as much as I can from Bill because he's been there so long, and he does such an excellent job. And he, he's, a, he's an NIU uh, fan through and through, and I think that's what – yeah, sure, down the line, if it's something – an opportunity, of course, I would want to put my name in there. But for now, it's just a great opportunity to to learn under him and to work with guys like Bill Baker and Mark Lindo. I couldn't ask for anything better. You also, in Chicago, you have so many jobs that uh, I feel like, hopefully it doesn't feel like we're just going down a list here, but you also are the women's basketball broadcaster and you do a bunch of ESPN3 TV uh, gigs for different sports uh, throughout the NIU sphere of influence. And you were fortunate enough to have a really memorable call this last year that got you on ESPN. So I'm going to play this right now. And I just want your reaction as to how you thought it went, what you would do different, how happy you were with it. Tight defense on the inbounds. In the Hankerson. Trendon Hankerson, the freshman. Double team, looking for help. McCarty wide open. Point six, Buffalo inbounds. It won't go, and NIU beats the 14th-ranked team in the nation, 77-75. In the Convocation Center, NIU says, Buffalo, good to see you. Take this loss home with you. When I hear that, Logan, I'm happy. Yeah, I got a lot of pub. It was top 10. 
Um, would I change anything? I mean, I was pretty loud with the laid in, um, you know, but it was exciting. Uh, it was a very cool win for NIU. There's not many times where you go into DeKalb, Illinois, and the 14th ranked team in the country, the Bulls of Buffalo are there, and you have an opportunity to knock them out. And I did think about it before the game. I was like, what are you thinking about if this does happen? And I had some options in my mind. I had some things that I wanted to say. But I'll tell you, Logan, that's not what came out. Uh, it, what came out is what I was thinking at that point. And I was pretty happy with it. And people were excited. And people had a, a fun time with it. And uh, it got me some exposure, which is always cool to hear from people. So that was that was fun. Again, you know, that was the ESPN3 side of it, the ESPN Plus side. And like you said, I do uh, I do all the radio games for the, the women's side. So what happens is if there's an opportunity – um, if the women are playing one day, let's say because in the MAC, the women play on a Saturday and a Wednesday and the men play on Tuesdays and Saturdays. So I get to do a lot of Tuesday home games for NIU. And that was just happened to be one of the nights I could do and happened to be Buffalo. So I was very honored to be on that call and um, the opportunity to do all the games on the radio for the women. Uh, a great team. Head coach Lisa Carlson, so much fun to be around. They treat me like anybody on the team. I get to be in the hotels with them and eat with them and and be a part. I shoot around with them at the at the shoot arounds. I mean, just to be a part of that is cool. So I yeah, I have the best of both worlds, right? I get to do sidelines for NIU football on the radio, and then I do women's radio basketball, and then I do TV for the men's basketball. But like you said, what that's opened up is I get to do volleyball for NIU, and the MAC hosted the volleyball championships two years ago or 2016. I was able to, to do the MAC championships for ESPN three. I did the gymnastics. Uh, gymnastics, gymnastics championships of the MAC this year. They're in the cab. I've done wrestling on ESPN three. I've done, as I mentioned, gymnastics. So I've been able to get my hands on a lot of stuff. And I think it's been so cool that I've been able to do so many sports from volleyball to wrestling, to gymnastics, to basketball. That's pretty cool. That's, that's cool to, to see the resume and say that I could, I've done all that and uh, had so much fun with it because man, people want to do that. I mean, I know a lot of people would love to just be able to get their hands on a couple of those things. And for me to have the opportunities to network and be with NIU since 2006 and host radio coaches shows for football and and be able to to be on the air and be on TV and, and, and have moments like I've had. My goodness, man, I don't take them for granted. And I hope there's more to come. A lot of times when you see a call on on a top 10 or on ESPN Sports Center. It's either epic and you nailed it, or they're kind of making fun of the the broadcaster for just going so completely crazy. And I don't think that that yours was out of the line or anything. But were you worried about that when you started seeing it making the rounds? No, I think I was just happy that it, it made the rounds. I think it was cool that people wanted to use the audio because they could have taken it out. You know, you could just use it without, but people were able people use the audio, so I thought that was cool. Did I come off as a homer? Probably a little bit. I mean, on those ESPN three or ESPN plus, you want to try to keep it a little balanced, but you are paid by the school and you're doing live reads for the school, so you do have some part where you are a little bit of a homer. And um, I, I I knew NIU. I was wanting to make sure I did a good call for them, um, but no, I wasn't. I thought it was cool. You know. I'm not one that regrets a lot of stuff. I'm I'm pretty happy if I am able to do something. I mean, yeah, like I said, when I changed a little bit of my, you know, I got pretty high pitched there a little bit and come back down. I'd like to be a little more level, but you know what? You hear it all the time and, you know, 
I even go back to what Kevin Harlan and and what those guys had at the end of the Toronto series with the Kawhi Leonard and just the oh, oh you know, there's different calls, man. Sometimes you have to say words. Sometimes you just have to say whatever just comes out. So I, I was I was fine with it. I was happy with it. So I had one play that I called ended up on the ESPN top ten, and mm-hmm. it was a a really bizarre play. It was a it started off as a handoff to the outside where the running back took it for about 10 yards. The defensive back wrenched it away and like started taking off towards the end zone and then threw a lateral that the original running back coming back caught with a head of steam going in the opposite direction and went all the way to the house for the winning touchdown. And my recorder that I was recording it on was full Oh, geez. I've never heard that call. They played the clip on ESPN's top 10. I probably, if I would have had that audio, I, I think there's a little bit of a chance it could have ended up there, but uh, it was not meant to be. And I uh, have no idea if I nailed that call or if I botched it. Who knows? But uh, nobody recorded it, so I guess it didn't happen. You know, you hope, and I know, I know you're the same way, you hope that you're able to get more opportunities where you have calls like that. One, so you can record it, but two, just so you're able to, to relive it and, and do it again. And that's the coolest part about the jobs, right? The coolest part is because you grew up hearing voices have those types of calls. For you to have the opportunity to do that, I think that that's cool. And again, like you were able to be recognized and I was able to be on top 10. I mean, that's just, come on, that just puts a cherry on top whenever you, um, whenever you, to, to be able to do that and to get paid, man, I, I think it's cool to say you're a professional broadcaster when you get paid for something. And not a lot of people can say that, Logan. A lot of people want to do what we do. And there's a lot of it's, – it's tough out there, man. There's a lot of people that want to do what we want to do. And like I said, a lot of people love to be where I'm at, and I don't I don't take it for granted. And I'm hoping um, – I'd love to have a call like yours. I'd love to hear that play. I'd love to know how that went. That had to be fun to call. <laughs> Neither of us will ever know. (laughs) (laughs) The other team that you cover that I saw on your LinkedIn, the Chicago Force women's football team. And I didn't know that that was a thing until I moved here. And one of the the teams in your league is also here in, in Minneapolis. So I haven't necessarily seen it. I haven't been part of the broadcast. They asked me to do color once but I couldn't do it. They're actually using my headsets because I know the guy in charge of the production (laughs) and he's borrowing them. But uh, what's it like calling women's football? And do you have to change your terminology, especially for some of the bigger players, just because of the body image issues and the things that uh, could come of that? Yeah, so the Chicago Force are part of the Women's Football Alliance. And what the Women's Football Alliance is, it's a college football. They play college football rules. It's tackle football. It's not lingerie. I think one, I think, you know, when I told people I'm doing Chicago Force Women's Tackle Football, they think it's lingerie. And it's not lingerie. This is, you know, pads. This is everything. And I was very lucky. The owner of the Chicago, Chicago Force at the time was Linda Boucher, and they were looking for somebody, and they knew that I was doing some NIU work, and they asked me to come, and this was back in 2009, 2010. And one thing that was cool about the Chicago Force, they were very good. They had a lot of players um, from around Chicago, but they were also able to get players from around the world. I don't know how they did it. They just had good ties. 
and they were very good. They didn't lose more than one game each year. They would get to the playoffs. But I had an opportunity to do it on radio for a local Indiana station that was just across the state line, so it's not too far. And it was my first opportunity to do a little football. And I think I learned – I thought I, – I took it as a learning tool. Did I change some of my terminology because of the women's side of it? Maybe a little bit. But I think I do that with women's basketball as well. Um, I think you just want to make sure that um, everything's correct, right? You don't want to – you know, you're not trying to um, – you want to make sure the broadcast sounds as good as it was. And uh, I had opportunity to do that for six years. Um, unfortunately, a couple years ago, uh, the team folded. Um, the, the alliance is still around. Um, they're trying to make another Chicago team, but it was – I took it as real football, Logan, so I could use it as real football highlights. Um, the caliber of the, the game, I, it wasn't bad. These women knew what they were doing. They were they were athletes. Some of these women played tackle football in high school. I mean these, these women knew the game. They loved the sport. They did it for no money. So they were out there just for the love of the game, and they were good teams. And um, it was it was good practice for me. It was good practice because it was also a practice that I could part, practice with partners um, on the radio. So you could kind of feed. I, I think that's one thing, too, that I'm always learning is what the kind of pitch to your can to your color or your partner is what different questions or lead ins or the, the chemistry you have with a partner. I think that you never you, you never stop learning about that is how do you work with a partner? And I think that helped me early in my broadcasting is how do you what's the type of lead ins? How do you kind of lead it over to your color, color analyst. And I think that's what the women's tackle football league did for me. And again, we won. So I had really good calls. They had good passes. They had good you know, interceptions taken back for touchdowns. So I was just able to get terminology down and I was able to practice different terms that, you know, I always like going into games. I always like having three different words for the same location, you know, wing, you know, right side, near wing, near side, and that helped me learn like that is to be able to, to use that in the, the Chicago Four. So, yeah, I wish they were still around, but they're still on ChicagoForceFootball.com and some of our replays are on there. So I get to hear some of the highlights. And um, we even did one for the radio station we did. It was a um, it was a live stream slash radio. So we were doing the game for radio, but we were also on a live stream. So that was pretty cool, too, because that put me on camera. So I was able to practice being on camera, which helps now with doing ESPN3 and ESPN+. Plus. So it was a learning league for me, and I, I learned a lot about it and just how to do a game, plain and simple, because it was college rules. So one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is overcoming adversity, and usually that's you know getting fired or having a bad game or something that's that in hindsight really minor. And you've had – I'm sure a very difficult year. Your wife passed away. You have three kids. It was about a year ago. And I just wanted to ask you, I mean, how it's pretty obvious how that affects your life, but how does that affect your career and the way that um, you view your career and the way you handle your time? I, I appreciate you asking it because it helps me talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, I'll go back a little bit. It was two years ago. It was January, 2017. And uh, that's my busy time, man. You know, September through April, I'm on the road. It goes right from football to basketball, and you're on the road with Westwood One or NIU. So it was January 2017, and my, we were pregnant, and we knew we were having twins. And the twins were born on January 12, 2017. Uh, two girls, Ava and Amelia, and we also have a son, Noah, who's a little older. 
and um, she just didn't start feeling better. She just felt weird, felt sick. She wasn't eating. I was like, Meredith, you'll be all right. We'll be okay. And she wasn't feeling good. And it got to March, Logan, and I was at the MAC tournament with women's bat NIU women's basketball. And we weren't the best team, but we got to the championship game. So I was gone a week. And that's pretty long, you know. You know, you're able to get back home a little bit, but I was gone a whole week. And I got back from that middle of March, and she wasn't doing well. We had to go to the hospital, and they did some tests. And I'll never forget the night, Logan. It was March 23rd, 2017, and um, they called Meredith. They had done some blood work. They go, "You got to go to the emergency room. We need you now." And I was like, Meredith, the girls were two months old, and Noah was, um, uh, what is he now? So he's he was three. And I go, Noah. I go, Meredith. Just go to the hospital. I'll see you back. I'm sure it's just some stomach thing. I'll take care of the kids. You know, get back. And I'll never forget at 723 on March 23rd, I get a call from Meredith and she's crying. And she goes, it's stage four colon cancer. And Meredith was 37 years old when she got diagnosed. And we're like, it, 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 Logan, you just don't know. You just, you never see it coming. We had no idea. Colon cancer, they call it the silent cancer. You just don't know. You know, men don't get checked until age 50. Women really, it's becoming more. You know, we're seeing it more in women. But, Logan, this this woman just had twins. We didn't see any of it. I mean, you know, two months later now she's stage four. And uh, we have an au pair who lives with us. We've had an au pair for three years now who helps who lives with us in our in our downstairs. And she has a certain schedule that helps us with the kids. And uh, Meredith fought a good fight until uh, last year, May 4th, last year she passed away. So she fought since we knew about a, a year and a month. And. It changes everything, but I also knew how important broadcasting was to me and how hard I worked for it. And I'm not at that point where I want to be now. So I've had a lot of family. I've had a lot of friends help me. And one thing I knew, Logan, is you're going to hear different people say, you know, you know, how are you going to do this with three kids under the age of six, especially twins? And I said, I have to do it. I have to do it. If I don't do it, then I'm giving up and I want to do all this. I don't turn down jobs. I want to do everything I can. And I've had support of, as I said, family who will spend nights here for me with along with the nanny or the au pair um, that let me go away for two or three days to do these games. And I couldn't do it without them. The support has been huge. It would have been very easy for me, Logan. And I heard from people say, you know, you're going to have to give up this stuff. You know, you can't do this anymore. You've got three kids now. You've got to make money. You've got to raise these kids. And I'm doing that. But, Logan, I can tell you, I wouldn't be happy for my life if I wasn't doing the broadcasting or the producing for Westwood One. It's what I want to do. And maybe I don't take every game or maybe I'm not able to take every opportunity. But I try to do as many as I can because if I'm not happy, then it just trickles down to the, to the family and to the kids. And the kids are taken care of. And I love my kids. And we have a lot of fun. And it's not easy, Logan, when you you go away and uh, they, they, they starve for my attention. They do. They don't see mom. And Noah is a little older. You know, he asks about mama, but he understands a little bit more. Um, it's not easy because I'm still coping with things. You know, I had we were married almost 15 years. So it's the companion. She was just as big a part of helping me as anybody. She had to go, as you know, Logan, I was doing games for $25 at high school games. And she'd go with me. And she'd be like, I'm in this. I know this is what you want to do. I know we're going to get there. And she was there with every part. And she's moving on with me. She's, I think about her a lot because she supported me with me doing it. And she'd be very happy where I am. And again, we're not done yet. 
Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, there's adversity where maybe you get fired or you do a bad game. I've been very lucky to not have those. I've had a little bit something worse happen with losing my companion, my partner for life. But I know I know the Lord's going to bring me other things, hopefully with that. The kids are doing great. They love me. I love them. They don't know what data does. They have no idea. All I tell Noah is I'm going to a basketball game. He sees me on TV a little bit. I do like that they show me to Noah so he knows, and the girls have seen me. But they don't know what I do. They just want to see me. So I think that helps when I come home, that I'm able to come home and see them. But, yeah, it's not easy. It's uh, been a lot of adversity, a lot of, you know, is this the right thing for me? And it has been. I have to be happy with what I want to do. And the broadcasting is a big part of my life. And if you took that away from me, I would that would that would be tough. It would be really tough. And luckily I've been able to keep it. And Westwood One's been good to me. And NIU's been good to me. And everybody's been so good to me. Just letting me continue to do what I want to do, man. It's helped me cope and deal with what I've had to go through. Do you feel that it's almost in a way of of keeping going and doing it, knowing what you went through, like what she wanted to do in a way of honoring her memory? A little bit. Um, sure, there were nights where she like, uh, do you have to do that game? You know, but overall, I think she'd be happy that I continued with it. I think she knew that it made me happy. Um, I think she knew that I didn't want to be home every weekend, um, that there were games that I wanted to do and that those are things that I wanted to do. I, yes. Does she still drive me? Yeah, because if she was still here, she'd be like, good luck. Go do it. Have fun. She was my hardest critic, Logan. Um, she has no idea what sports broadcasting was, but she would critique me, and I'd have to say, okay, I understand a little bit, but there were other things where she was right about. So she was good to bounce things off with, even though she may not understood everything. So, yeah, I miss that now. And, yeah, do I still kind of look up every now and go, hey, I hope you're looking down. I hope you're liking this. I hope you continue to help me in any way you can. But, yeah, I understand that, yeah, she was part of it. And I, I still kind of do it for – I do it for her, but I have to do it for myself more just to make sure that it's what I want to do and it is. It is what I want to do. I don't know really how to transition away from that. So just, <laughs> no uh, worries. No, I like talking the, about it. I appreciate your honesty. We'll just uh, we'll just go abrupt. <laughs> and uh, no worries. One of the things I talk about, and maybe after the conversation, not the most apt name for them, but everybody has their broadcast horror stories where they're not really horror stories, but the the time when everything goes wrong, uh, the equipment goes nuts the broadcast location is highly inconvenient uh you know i've had certain ones where there were animals in the in the <laughs> broadcasting booth like just weird stuff that happens in this business what are a couple of your broadcast horror stories yeah mine you know i don't know i don't know i'll start with like logan you and i, I think other broadcasters have i have really bad dreams sometimes that i'm late for games and i <laughs> I, I have you know, I have dreams that I'll have dreams that I'm supposed to be doing a game, but I'm not there and the game is on and I have I hate that. So I'm very early to games all the time. I just I have that I, that nightmare comes maybe two or three times a season. I hate it and I, I get scared. The The technical problems I always have, it's always the dang I've done phone. I've had to do games on cell phones that are just terrible. I mean, I I, I literally had to hold cell phones. I know everybody's done that. 
I also had to do one that our our pots went down, or, or our ISDN went down. So I was doing on pots, and I was holding the phone. I mean, it just look awkward, man. You sit there with a phone in your hand, calling a game. It's the worst feeling. It's it, it, it's no good. It's a terrible broadcast. I remember I had to interview the coach after the game, handing the phone back and forth. It sounds so terrible, but I've been very lucky. I haven't had a lot of, you know, luckily for me, the equipment that NIU uses is pretty good and pretty, pretty quality stuff. But it's the sometimes where the, the ISDN, ISDN goes down or you're using a phone line or it's just good, not good service. I've been pretty lucky. Um, I had one time where the players came over and crashed. So the equipment broke and fell. So I had to go do it on the cell phone. That's always a fun one. But I've been pretty lucky, man. I can't say that I've had, you know, bad horror stories. I mean, I think the better stories that I had was <laughs> uh, NIU football and head coach Rod Carey. Now, Rod Carey is now the head coach at Temple. He's just starting out there. It's going to be his first year. But Rod is an interesting guy. Rod does not want to give up a lot of stuff. So I know the halftime I, when when halftime comes for NIU, I have to get Rod coming off the field. And I know Rod personally. He's a good friend of mine. He's helped me through everything that's happened with Meredith. And he's just not a guy who likes to talk. So we're doing a game down, I think, in South Florida. And I go, he, they come down to me. Bill goes, let's go down to Andy Garcia. I say, you know, you know Rod, um, your thoughts from the first half. And he's very quick. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't give you a lot. And I, my second question was, what do you have to do to, to finish off drives? on offense. He looked at me and he walked away. I said, Bill, coach looked at me and walked away. Back to you. <laughs> and Rod didn't like it. And I heard from this, you know, we had a conversation after it. And I and Rod is Rod. Rod's a he knew I wasn't trying to be mean, but he didn't like the question. So I think that's the more I get worried about is that I asked the right questions. And I and again, Rod could have asked answered it. You know, it wasn't the worst question in the world. But I don't have to have a lot. I don't have a lot of horror stories. I just, that was a good one for me because he looked at me and I knew he didn't like it. So I just had to go out and say, Hey Bill, he looked at me and he walked away back up to you. And I, that's kind of my horror, horror ones is just making sure that the coaches aren't mad at me, but I had the technical ones. When you're talking in a phone, an old fashioned phone, you just don't look good. You look, it looks bad. It, it just doesn't look good, man. What about the time when you were not, on the broadcast, but you were at the Super Bowl and the power went out. Oh, that was cool. So that was in New Orleans. And me and Jim, I was outside the booth. We had just finished doing an interview. And I forget when the power went out, Logan. You might want to – I forget what happened. But I remember the power went out. Me and Jim Gray were had to go down and we had to find – we were trying to find somebody from the NFL to talk to us about it because the power was out. Kevin Harlan – I hope everyone can find it. I think it's on westwoodonesports.com, maybe an art, you know, an article a long time ago, where Harlan is holding the phone, the the phone up, and you can hear the audio. Me and Jim were trying to find, and we were all we were still up in the booth when it happened. Everyone was scrambling, um, but that's why you have a phone because it works like that. So that's why we, you know, a lot of people are going away from using pots on those broadcasts, but we always want them because they never go away with when the power goes out. They still work. And that's how we were able to get on the on the air for that. And I remember me and Jim Gray were chasing people around the hallway trying to get an NFL um, – someone from the NFL spokesperson to come and just talk to us and say what's going on. So we were running around the stadium in the background trying to find somebody to talk to us while 
everybody in the booth was trying to hook things up. We're trying to get a phone line, and you can hear Harlan, you know, with the rotary phone, you know, you know, we're coming. You know, the power has gone out. It's a great call. It's a, you know, that's talking about good radio. That was a good description on that. But yeah, we were running around, Logan. That was fun. That was, that was a crazy time. That's something you don't expect, man. A power outage at the Super Bowl. That was fun. Who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to on a night off that are not Westwood One people? We're going to take uh, the people you work with out of the equation. Uh, I'm a bad. I'm, I'm a big fan of Chuck Swirsky, um, Chicago Bulls radio. Um, John Weideman uh, here in Chicago for the Chicago Blackhawks is outstanding in hockey. And I've always wanted to do hockey. I've not been able to do hockey yet. But hearing how John Weideman calls a game for the Blackhawks is has been um, really cool. So Swirsky and and I, I stay local, Logan. I really stay local because the, I'm in Chicago. And I get to hear people like Pat Hughes do Cubs baseball on the air. He's been He's doing it for fast. a long time. So Pat Hughes is a great guy that I'd like to listen to. And even Len Casper uh, for TV for the Cubs. I just like how he does his games, how he's smooth, how he's got some different facts. He's not trying to be a big star or anything like that. He just brings the facts and the information. Um, and I'll bring up Jason Benetti too, just because he does the White Sox telecast, because I work with Jason a little bit with Westwood one, but I like what he does with the White Sox. He's brought a little more humor uh, you know, to the broadcast. He's gotten more out of Steve Stone who does the, the, the TV analysts here in Chicago. So those I listen to the local guys and try to just get, especially Swirsky, because I do a lot of basketball. So I want to hear how Chuck does NBA. And I it's funny, Logan, because we talk about broadcast locations and what the NBA has done with their locations and where radio, the local radio guys do their broadcast. It's unbelievable. It's crazy, man. They're in the stands. So I think it's interesting to hear Chuck and how he calls a game, even if he's 200 feet from the court able to still bring that description, able to be right on point. And I try to use that in basketball too. The last question that I'm going to ask you since you're in Chicago. And when I visit Chicago, I am an enormous fan of deep dish pizza. And there's a, (laughs) there's a lot of argument between Chicago people about who has the best. And as someone who lives there, I just, I want to know your opinion. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of good pizza in this city, but Luminati's to me, has the best deep dish pizza. Uh, Luminati's is, you know, a lot of people want to say Gino's East or whatever. Uh, no, it, it's Luminati's. It has the best crust. It just tastes good. I mean, you can't go wrong, Logan. You're in Chicago. you got great restaurants, great food. Anywhere you go for pizza is going to be good. But for me, Luminati's is the best, hands down. We always get it. It's always where we go if we have people that are in town that want to have, you know, real Chicago pizza. That's who we go to. So uh, I'm a big thumbs up for Luminati's. Um, the, they have the called the Lou. If you're in Chicago, get the Lou. It's got everything on it. Deep dish, great salads, uh, good cheese sticks. But you go for the pizza, and it takes a while. It takes about 45 minutes to, to cook those bad boys. But, uh, man, it, it is awesome. Luminati's is my pick for Chicago pizza. All right. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, how would they do so? A couple opportunities. I'm on Twitter at a Garcia in sports. I know it's a little weird, but I'm not very good at that stuff. So at a Garcia in sports or my email address, Andrew Garcia, 23 at hotmail.com. Um, I always love talking to people because I like helping people who are younger than me, Logan, because I asked people when they were older than me things and, and networking is the biggest part of this business. It's not what you know, it's who you know. 
Um, so I take that to heart and I talk to as many people as I can who are above me or who are trying to get to where even where I am and I'm trying to go up forward. So uh, reach out to me. I love talking to people. I love talking about boards. I love hearing about different boards and how people, you know, I've got a pretty, pretty, you know, simple Excel form that I use for basketball, but I'm always interested in what people use for their play-by-play board. So reach out to me again at a Garcia in sports or on uh, or my email is andrewgarcia23 at hotmail.com. Once again, we are talking with Andy Garcia. If you go to one of those, if you go to one of those social media outlets and you see the star of The Godfather Three, <laughs> it is the wrong one. So, Andy, thanks again for coming on. Logan, it was an honor, man. It was fun meeting you in Minneapolis, and I'm sure we'll uh, cross paths again. But continue the great work with the podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Say the Damn Score podcast. Remember to subscribe to the show on the podcast platform of your choice by clicking the big red button at the top of saythedamnscore.com. And also please follow me on the social media outlet of your choice. And again, that includes newly Instagram. Just follow at saythedamnscore. And I am trying to figure it out. My little sister has been making fun of me because I put up some pictures where the edges were cut off. Sometimes she listens to this podcast. Not all the time. We'll see if she hears it. Probably not. I doubt she makes it to the end. But she was making fun of me on Instagram. So if anybody wants to go on and defend my honor on Instagram, I'd appreciate it. iTunes reviews, emails, or any other kind of honest feedback are always appreciated. They help make the show better. And again, Anything that can make the show better is good in my book. Finally, please reach out to the guests of this show so they know that you appreciate them sharing their stories on the pod. As always, I'm Logan Anderson, and the next time you're on the air, make sure to say the damn score just a little bit more.